Hey everyone, hello. Welcome to Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. Today is a very, very, very special day here at Comedy History 101. We conclude our four-part series on the history of John Belushi. Yes, not one, not two, not three, not four. Oh, wait, four parts we've done on the history of John Belushi. Today's episode is going to be on the sad final years of John Belushi's life. So go back, go back and listen to those previous episodes to, you know, bring yourself up to speed. And if you don't, well, I think you'll catch on, you know, soon enough. Also, a hell of a lot has gone on since our previous episode. I have relocated to Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, well, well, well what does that have to do with the history of comedy? Well, <laughs> kind of a lot, because um, throughout this episode, you might hear rain patter, because I'm kind of living near a rainforest. Also, take time to like, subscribe, and comment on Comedy History 101, wherever you get your podcasts, or on our site, Comedy History 101. Do it. It helps people find our podcast. If you like, if you like the podcast, why not? Why not? You know, let other people know about it. Also, you can support Comedy History 101 on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ch101. Yes, we're an independent podcast, completely ad-free, and we like to keep it that way. So throw in a few bucks each month and no ads for Casper mattresses. And without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Earl Keese, a reserved, hardworking homeowner, sits calmly waiting for his dinner. Little does he know he's about to meet the neighbors. Enid! Someone's moving into the Warren place! No. Funny time to be moving. Okay, I'll stop it there. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> it's it's very hot in here, and uh, I get the idea. So what you heard up there, up front, right at the start, was a clip from the movie Neighbors, which starred John Belushi and was John Belushi's last screen role. And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. I am Harmon Leon. With me, as always, is Scott Kalanico. Scott, have you seen the movie Neighbors? I have, in fact, Harmon. I have seen the movie Neighbors. What would be your brief synopsis of the 1981 movie Neighbors, directed by John Abbotson, who also directed Rocky? Uh, Belushi actually plays a pretty good middle-aged man. It was, um, he actually does pretty well even though he, that's not the role he should have been in. Oh, yeah, and we'll get into the role he should have been in a little later on on this episode, but this is actually our conclusionary episode on the history of John Belushi. We have done three previous episodes. You might want to go back and 
check those out so you can be up to speed. Um, Scott, should we do a quick rundown, like tag team here? Okay, we talked about Blue Shit Second City. Hand it off Talk to you. Talking Blue Shit, Blue Shit, Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> No, but you forgot about Blue Sheet. Yeah, uh, National Lampoon Lemmings. National Lampoon no, Radio. Pass it off to you. Okay, Blue Sheets are alive. Blues Brothers. Animal House. Food Animal Fight. House. Food Fight. Uh, well, more Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Blues Brothers. Yeah, mission from God. Blues Brothers. More Blues Brothers. Lots of cocaine during Blues cocaine, Brothers. Cocaine, cocaine, cocaine. Budget, budget for cocaine on the movie yeah. The Blues Brothers. Yeah, Which brings but, us to... Okay. Oh, sorry. Hand it off to you one more time. No, no, we're done. We, we made it. We finished. Oh, my God. Yeah. So go back and check out those episodes. This one, we are going to do the sad final years of John Belushi. Spoiler alert. He died in 1982 at the age of 33. Yeah. <laughs> <sad>. <laughs> but, um, okay, wait, wait. Uh, yeah, so his final years, um, where we left off last time, was the making of the Blues Brothers. How, do, how did the making... In a, in a, in, in, what's the elevator pitch on how the filming of the Blues Brothers went? What, what, what would um, you say about it? A lot over budget, uh, a lot over the cocaine budget, lots of cars smashed, but in the end it works. Yeah, but Belushi at the time was a drug-fueled mess. Uh, it set the budget spiraling out of control. And as you would think, after the Blues Brothers, people were a little hesitant to work with the former SNL star because he kind of gained a reputation of doing too much drugs on the set. <laughs> Cocaine in particular. But after that, he, he kind of dried out a bit. He sobered up. You know, he kind of knew he had to take a change. I believe this was the era where he kind of retreated to Martha's, Martha Vine, Martha's Vineyard. Massachusetts. Well, he wanted to get clean for the when they were doing the um, the Blues Brothers tour because they actually did a tour. They did like sixteen states in sixteen days or something like that, or sixteen and twenty days. And they actually at that point he hired a um, uh, a security guard to kind of keep him away from the drugs. A guy by the name of Smokey, who actually I just learned. Uh, oh, Smokey actually, was still from Joe Walsh's uh, bodyguard as well. Yeah, Same it was Smokey? that. And he, he also uh, worked with Nixon. He went with Nixon to China. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, just a side note. There's a story, funny story about Nixon in China and Louis Armstrong in China. And Louis Armstrong had some marijuana in his, <laughs> in his music case. And Nixon spotted him at the airport and said, come on through. Hey, come on. It's Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Have you ever heard that story? No, that's a good one. I'll have to. I'll but I think it might be urban that. urban legend that. Uh, well, we'll look. Uh, the look urban into legend it. is that uh, uh, Nixon helped Louis Armstrong smuggle drugs. All righty. Well, you know, as as our listeners probably know, uh, we have another uh, channel that you sometimes get sometimes get a star on. It's called This Is a President. It's a YouTube channel where we go into all kind of presidential U.S. U.S. presidential trivia. So I'll look into that, Harmon, um, and see what the rumor is behind that. And scene back into the back into the Belushi story. So after he cleaned up, what did Belushi do? Did he go out and film Animal House Two with John Landis? 
Oh no! Oh no! 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 Harmon. Did, did he, he keep uh, to the crazy fat guy kind of roles? Drinking well, too he, much? And no, he left. He left Saturday Night Live, and then he he wanted to, he wanted to change. He wanted to get a little you know not a little wacky, but he needed something to uh, kind of develop as an actor. So he uh, one of his last movies he did was he picked this romantic comedy called Continental Divide. Which he plays a newspaper reporter from. Guess it. Guess the city. Chicago. Chicago. That's right. Yep. Okay, so Scott, um, when you think Continental Divide and the plot line, is it a fish in water story or is it a fish out of water story? Oh, Harmon, no, no, no. There would be no, no. There are no fishes in the water in this story. They're all out of the water. Yeah. So I think again, it, it flopped massively at the Boston office. I think. People just don't even remember Continental Divide, but it was kind of devoid of all the Belushi-isms, so to speak, you know, showing that he did want to take on more challenging roles and not kind of just coast on autopilot as, you know, the quote-unquote Belushi sort of role. But as you said, it was a romantic comedy. And yeah, you kind of yeah. Think really, America really wanted to see uh, that's romantic I mean. lead Belushi. I mean, sadly. And you're kind of wondering why he was, I mean, I guess like we were saying, he's probably trying to, to stretch himself a little bit, but there's just nothing, you know, there's no, other than the, his character being from Chicago. That's about the only thing about this movie that it could, I could see maybe appealing to him. Yeah, he was a big city news reporter in this one. Yeah. But okay, so we you said that Belushi, you know, managed to stay clean during, you know, Continental Divide and after the Blues Brothers kind of cleaned up his act, which brings us which brings us to the trailer we had up front for the nineteen eighty one was it eighty one it came out movie, Neighbors? Yeah, eighty one. That was uh, his last one, December of it was it was a holiday movie, believe it or not, Harmon. Yeah, so again, <laughs> what we talked about on the Blues Brothers, I think why the Blues Brothers succeeded and why Neighbors failed were for the same reasons. Like, Blues Brothers, they totally probably let, you know, Belushi and Aykroyd and John Landis do what they want. But I think this one got kind of squashed by the studio. A little bit more ways than one. I mean, Aykroyd and Belushi didn't think that the director, John uh, Avildsen, had any kind of comic chops and they didn't want him on the set. Did you see, like... Adrian, do you see Rocky? Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, a... just a footnote. There's a kind of a creepy, rapey scene in Rocky and Adrian, where she I keeps saying that. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's he's right. Like, no, what do you mean, no? And then he, yeah. she says, no, no, and she's like, her head's down, and she's shaking yeah, her head. Like, I haven't Come seen on, Rocky. No. And she's like, no. Uh, and then uh, uh, yeah. somehow he sort of forces himself on her. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, haven't seen it in a while. So, uh, I'll <laughs> but take, same I'll take, director. I'll take it. I'll take it from Jason Schwartzman's mom. I'll take her. <laughs> yeah, and uh, um, Francis Ford Coppola's sister. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So with neighbors, uh, on paper, this seems like they had a hit on their hands. Like you know, Rocky won the Oscar. Um, you had Larry Gelbert. What do you know of Larry Gelbert, Scott? Um, he was one of the writers on the TV show MASH, Harmon. That's what I know of him. Was he writer or creator of MASH? Writer, creator. It? I'm, I'm well, pretty well, actually, sure he wrote some you of know, them. MASH was Robert Altman movie, so yeah. 
So he wouldn't be creative. Right, that's from the Robert 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 Robert. uh, movie before that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Starring one of my favorite 70s actors, Elliot Gould. I love Elliot Gould. Oh, yeah. And Tom Skerritt, dude, can't get wrong. I can't can't get wrong with Matt. It's a little it's a little um, heavy on the uh, the toxic masculinity, but it's got some good part, parts in it. Looking back, yeah. On. So on paper, uh, so you had Academy Award winning director. You had a guy who created you know probably one of the most iconic you know TV shows of the seventies. You had Ackroyd and Belushi again after you know just very shortly after the Blues Brothers, but yet the film just tanked. And if you watch it, it kind of sucks. Yeah, you've seen it then? Um, I saw it a long time ago. It's just like, I can't, I remember like a scene where Belushi's in quicksand or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then, I mean, part of it was that they were supposed to, like right right during pre-production, they decided to swap roles, Ackroyd and Belushi. Um, yeah. With Ackroyd playing the wacky one and Belushi playing the the butt down neighbor, and uh, I think there was a um, was a good quote from uh, the Bob Woodward's book Wired, which we won't we won't talk about the movie. But uh, Belushi's substance of problems on the set were like negatively negatively affecting production. Here's a quote from the book: uh, When John emerged from this trailer on, on Neighbors, he could hardly talk. It wasn't simply that John didn't know his lines or he had a few drinks. He was blitzed. Everyone stood around looking at one another. John, aware that he was not, gonna, not making any sense, finally stumbled back into his trailer. There was silence on the set, and Alvinson announced they would wait. <laughs> Yeah, so unlike Blues Brothers, where Belushi could sort of function on the drugs, here he just couldn't function on the drugs. And, you know, we've both been on film sets, and you know there's, yeah, I mean, dozens and dozens of people doing jobs involved. And if the star can't function, everything just shuts down. Like, And all these people are made to wait. As I found out when I co-starred with a drunken O.J. Simpson in the straight-to-DVD prank show, oh, yeah. Juiced. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. <laughs> so, so like you mentioned, Scott, um, Belushi and Ackroyd didn't get along with the director. And like you said, they believed that he had no understanding of comedy. So Belushi actually kind of lobbied to get him removed from the film and replaced by John Landis, who directed both the Blues Brothers and Animal House. And after the exploits of filming Blues Brothers, what was John Landis's reaction to taking over <laughs> filming uh, Neighbors? Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> God, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it would just would have been uh, too much. So like you said, there was trouble they switched roles. Uh, Belushi's drug problems worsened. So again, like Ackroyd would try to make changes to the script. You know, like he wrote the script to Blues Brothers and he you know, right. later went on to write the script with Harold Ramis of Ghostbusters. But Larry Gelbert didn't like the changes. Mm. So I think, and here is a prime example of how they kind of lost creative control and had a different vision for the movie so the neighbor soundtrack was done by i think it tom conti yeah tom conti did he do the rocky theme bill bill uh, conti bill conti yes 
the, did did he do the Rocky theme? Bill Conti. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. Do you want me to check? I think he might have done the theme, but the theme to Rocky might have been done by Chuck Mangione. No, dude, though. That was as Bill Conti. Bill Conti did the what uh, did the theme to Rocky. Yeah, and also the right stuff, and for your eyes only. Uh, yes, but here's, he also, here's and he also Belushi. did the, the he did do the soundtrack to Neighbors. That is correct. Yeah, but here's who Belushi wanted to do the soundtrack, which you could tell would be a completely vision, uh, different kind of vision. He wanted the L.A. punk band Fear to be doing the title track to Neighbors, and they actually recorded some songs for the movie, which you can find on YouTube. And the songs were produced by Steve Cropper, who. Who Scott? Uh, just to bring us back to last episode, was Steve Cropper? Uh, he was the guitar playest player in the um, Blues Brothers band. Exactly, exactly. One of the original Blues Brothers himself, mm-hmm. and Belushi, big punk fan. There's actually a video of him, I think in like 1977, 78, playing drums because he was a drummer. Because as we learned in episode one, what was the name of his band? The Ravens. The Raven. The Ravens. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I fucking love the Ravens. Um, he played drums. Jolly, Jolly Green G- Giant. Yeah, yeah. He played drums one night at CBGB's with the Dead Boys, legendary All punk right. band, the All Dead right. Boys. Yeah. And there's actually um, a YouTube video of it. So cool. He wanted the band Fear, and the 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 guy, the suits, kind of nixed it. Yeah, the the studio said no, no, thank you. Um, because and apparently they just kind of re- they replaced the the fear they pulled it out of the the soundtrack at the last minute and they didn't tell anybody uh, and just replaced it with or- orchestral orchestral score. Yeah, it's weird. I, I listened to that um, the fear um, title yeah. song, and now it just sounds like kind of like a pop song. But it back does. then it was probably like punk, so punk. Well, to, the the crazy thing is I'm not a huge fear fan, but. Uh, um, Leaving, uh, yeah, leaving, and then they uh, they were one of the few punk bands that used a saxophone. <laughs> which oh is, yeah, because they, they actually had a song called "New York's All Right" if you like saxophones. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which they played. That was like on. one of their so-called hits from the uh, um, what's her name? Uh, oh, Penelope um, Spears movie. Sure, the yeah, kind of yeah, Western the, uh, civilization. civilization. It's a great movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So that and actually, would, that's a good segue into kind of the next time where, where uh, these guys pop up is that um, <clears throat> to make up for Fear getting pulled from the soundtrack, uh, Belushi said that he'd get them a guest spot on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, which he did. And I think it got cut from the final sort of mix because they used profanity in one of their songs. They got it was on air, but it got pulled to, at the end, and it, it just turns and it turns into a huge. You can find, you can see the the um, you can see it on YouTube, and that was uh, the from the Halloween nineteen eighty one uh, episode. It was ho- hosted by Donald Pleasance, and you know, oh, I love Donald Pleasance. Yeah. Um, kind of somebody in this mix once met his niece. <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <Man. Don't. laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, so it was 1981. Fear played on the show, and it was it was very edgy because on Saturday Night Live, they actually showed people 
stage diving in the, and in the mosh pit during uh, their performance. And that was like considered very edgy at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was it. So it was on. It was aired, but they just cut it short. And the real the weird thing is, is they played instead of like what you're used to with Silent Live now, just them playing one song and then doing sketches and stuff. They had them go on for they they played three songs all in a row for some reason. Um, yeah, they, they did that like on their early days with like Paul Simon, where it'd be yeah. almost all music. Yeah, but this is later on. This is like 81, so I don't know why they did it that way. But apparently there were some famous people in the audience as well, moshing. Like, uh, I know Ian, Ian McKay from uh, Fugazi was in there, and there were a couple oh, of other wow. guys. I can't remember who else, yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So um, Belushi's reaction to a private screening of Neighbors, do you know what happened, Scott? <laughs> no, Harmon, tell me. It caused him to physically beat the side of his chair with a shoe over his anger at the cut Avedon had assembled. Avidson had assembled. Yeah, yeah that's that's not good. <laughs> just um, that, but it's just so. I kind of think brings back the old country Armenian or Albanian in him. Yeah, he likes he likes throwing <laughs> shoes. Like the Iraqi guy threw a shoe at Bush. There's something about shoes. Yeah, so after that, Belushi was banned from all future screenings of Neighbors. And (laughs) as with Continental Divide, both movies were both artistic and commercial failures. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Ah, yes. Which sadly kind of brings about a, a series of perpetual events. Um, that kind of brought about Belushi's final demise. One of them was um, his grandmother passed away, who was, you know, a big influence on Belushi's life. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. And also... Um, oh, he also lost his trusty bodyguard, who yeah, was lost, like, you know, would keep the drugs away from him. Yeah, and then he just kind of gave up. Yeah, like there was so Smokey has stories about that. How uh, you know, at one point you just gotta go. Like, dude, I can't. There's nothing I can do. Um, but Smokey also said, and this will come into play later. Smokey said that they could call upon him anytime if they needed more help with John. Yeah, and he also became estranged with his wife, who, as we talked about in episode one of our history of John Belushi, they were high school sweethearts back in yes. Illinois. So that's. Either going to work or it's not. Yeah, so there was, you know, again, there was that Showtime documentary recently on Belushi. And I think, you know, as we talked about almost in almost every episode, was at the height of his fame, he had the number one TV show, the number one movie, and the number one album. But in the Showtime documentary, he said his father never laughed at anything that he did and wanted him to join the family business, which was helping run his restaurant. So I think part of Belushi's downfall was he couldn't make his father laugh. Oh, sad. Because, okay, there's two sad stories I heard about Belushi because we're we're coming to the the sad end here. Um, He, when he was like so fucked up on drugs in LA, he would be driving around LA in a limbo and he'd tell the limo driver to pull over. We just see a random group of people walking by and he would roll down his window and stick out his face so they would all start screaming. Yeah. Which, just think about just being so fucked up on drugs and yeah. having to do that. You know, that's 
kind of not healthy. No, no, that's yeah, that's not a good sign. And even in the early days, uh, before the Blues Brothers, Aykroyd and Belushi took a road trip across country, and Belushi they were drove by a school, and and he told Aykroyd to pull over. He said, "Watch this, watch this," <laughs> and he walked up to the window of the school and stuck his face in, and everyone went Bluto, Bluto. That's yeah, more. That's yeah. more charming. That's like, that's kind of fun. Yeah, that's that's kind of. Yeah, yeah, you're not coked out of your head in a limousine on Sunset Boulevard doing that at like three in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So before he died, he was working on a bunch of projects. Uh, Scott, uh, what, what, what do you recall of what Belushi was working on, uh, you know, right before his death, what we could have maybe have seen him in, you know, if he didn't sadly pass away? Uh, one of the last things he was working on uh, was a diamond smuggling caper called a noble rot with jay sandrich and no I, th- also- I think that was called uh that one was called moon over miami oh or did it get changed to no no moon we'll see that? no well there no there's there's two different things talking about here so there's that one so he mm-hmm. was working he was working on the, the drug smuggling caper called moon over miami which i'm wondering i was double checking to see that's i was distracted because i remember there was like a there was like an 80s movie called moon over Parador, I think. I was wondering if they were too. And and there's related. also a Denny a Denny's menu item called Moon Over. Oh, Moon Over Miami. Miami, of course. That's the, that's the first thing <laughs> I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, there's that movie, but then the one. This is the one I've actually kind of heard of about, read a bit about, um, and I think there's actually they actually came up with a draft for it. Um, this movie called Noble Rot that he was that Belushi was writing with uh, Don Novello, Father Guido Sarducci, Father Father Guido Sarducci, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, and that's all about Noble Rot is about a, it's about um, uh, wine, a vineyard, a wine based comedy. Noble Rot's like some kind of a rot that, that happens to grapes that results in special, specially tasty vintages. Yeah, Don Novelli, he's a Bay Area guy, so probably got that from maybe he grew up near wine country. I know he lives in Marin County now. Does he? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I remember him. He would pop up to some comedy events every now and then. Really? Yeah, yeah. He was, he was a funny guy. The Laszlo Letters. We'll have to do a whole episode about oh, that. Oh, those are, yeah, yeah. Those are excellent. That was yeah, like yeah. the pre-prank yeah, TV the pre- show thing before that, which you do with when back in the day when people would send each other physical bits of paper yeah. with stuff written <laughs> exactly. on them in, in, yep. in U.S. mail. Before you can just, like, email them. Email, yeah, back in the day. This is funny. Not funny. Funny, like, peculiar, not funny, ha-ha. Um, Police Squad, directed and created by the Zucker Brothers, who did uh, Airplane. So that show had a running gag where the guest star dying right Away, you know, in the yeah, opening sequence. Yeah, it did be in the show, yep. So, oh man. So Belushi filmed one of those and then yeah. he died. And shortly after they cut it and replaced it with a segment with Rob William Conrad. Yeah, so that was uh, Cannon. I think well, he's not Ironside. That was somebody else. William Conrad. He was like the Cannon, I think was the one. Yeah, so somewhere look. in a canister is that footage of Belushi. Ooh, that'd be weird to um, see. Yeah, yeah. So, so Scott, which leads us to the night of February 28th, 1982. What, to your recollection, happened there at the Chateau Marmont on Sunset Boulevard? Oh, oh, Harmon. 
Harmon, Harmon, Harmon. <laughs> it's almost like you're beginning podcasting. There's so much that went on before they even they even went to the. Uh, I, I dug up a couple interesting bits because there's, a, there's a, actually a lot that went on. Oh yeah, the joy of sex. Tell them about that. Yeah, yeah so there was a they they were trying to. Um, get uh, Belushi to do this kind of it wound up being a teen comedy called based on the book The Joy of Sex uh, where basically he was he was going to 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 appear and be in a diaper for some reason I'm not quite sure how that all worked out but basically well, do you think it, do you think it was like I read sort of synopsis do you think it was like kind of they're trying to be like Woody Allen's everything you wanted to know about sex type movie it could be. I mean, that's why I actually went and watched some of the movie. The movie is a typical just kind of 80s sex comedy. It was actually directed by the woman that did uh, Valley Girl. So, I mean, it's just, but it's not even like a particularly sex based comedy. It's just more like a high school romp type thing. How, how would it, could you have seen how Belushi could have possibly have fit into not, that? Not really. Not really at all. <laughs> but, but Christopher Lloyd's in it, so that's interesting. And this oh, is wow. be the year, yeah. And so, he starred, and Christopher Lloyd co-starred with Belushi in Going South. Oh, that's right. Oh, Jack Nicholson. Hmm. His interesting. First movie maybe, maybe they were trying to get him in on the Christopher Lloyd thing. Hmm, yeah, okay. or maybe that was the that. Belushi role. Yeah. So um, before he even gets to the Chateau, Mar- so uh, Belushi had to go in and deal with his manager, Bernie Brillstein, a famous comedy manager. Um, Dude, I, I, de- I have met, I've had a meeting with Bernie Brillstein before he died. Oh, man, how was it? Um, I was just, I went to his office I back in the Jokey days, and I was just thrilled to, like, you know, legendary comedy manager. Uh-huh. And how was it? Um, it was fine. I made Bernie Brillstein laugh, did he, <laughs> and he passed away. Did he give you a, give you off you a beverage or something? I think you always get offered a bottle of water by the assistant. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, okay, cool. But um, yeah, it so, was in what he offered Belushi. No, no, no. Well, see, Belushi was there, and he said he he needed some money to buy a guitar, <laughs> like a, like yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. That just sounds so fishy. Yeah, um, and Bernie wouldn't give it to him, and then but then Belushi comes back to the office while Bernie's got clients there, and Belushi asks him again, and Brillstein like didn't want to turn down Belushi in front of other people, so he gave him the money. Uh, that's just yeah. as creep as creepy as when Jane Curtin said he she would catch Belushi going through her purse. Yeah, yeah. So so Belushi. Um, Took all this money, and then that that day he had met up with um, a woman by the name of Kathy Smith, and she was kind of escorting Belushi around town. Now, most of the time, in most of these these accounts, she kind of comes in as a footnote, but she was actually mm-hmm. kind of um, a long time. I don't want to say she's been a, she was a backup singer for a lot of bands, and then kind of a groupie hanger on going far back to the seventies. So she actually. Uh, was kind of connected to Levon Helm, the guy from the band. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. And she she kind of was like travel with the band, and there was a rumor that she and Levon had 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 a child or were going to have a child. Uh, but then later on, she wound up like kind of being the the drug connection for um, big bands, big like rock and roll bands, like the um, the Rolling Stones. Is that she was kind of like. I don't know if she's a backup singer, but she was like she would, she was like the person who was getting them. Their oh my drugs. god! Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's always that like um, yeah. if you've ever seen like the 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 band the Happy Mondays or oh, the yeah. documentary on them, oh, yeah. they would have a guy playing maracas, right? Only because he was the drug dealer for the band. 
Yeah. So she yeah, was like he, the Morocco player. She was, but here's the here's the here's the other crazy thing. So apparently, so for a while, she hooked up with uh, Gordon Lightfoot and the the Canadian kind of uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Dude, so apparently the song "Sundown" was written about her. Gordon Lightfoot admitted this, admit, admit, admitted as much to this. So that's kind of interesting. I was trying to find because he he kept going on about how beautiful she was, and I was trying to find a picture of her back in the well, 70s. probably in her twenties. I I couldn't find. Kind of did yeah. a lot of drugs. Yeah, so to I the couldn't point find, which leads yeah. us to that evening in bungalow number three. Well, we're still not, we're still not there yet. So okay. at, at this point, Kathy and Belushi are driving around L.A. just doing a bunch of drugs and trying to score more. And then they go to the famous uh, Roxy Club in L.A. and wind up hanging out there. So I didn't even know this part. They wind up hanging out there for like five hours. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently there's there's like a, um, a secret cocktail bar at the top where you can kind of go and do whatever. And that's right. where they, get, they go and she shoots them up with her first speedball. Uh, of the night, so this is like this is before midnight even. Was was Robert De Niro in the picture at this? Not time? yet, dude. I, they're still ha- they're wow. hanging out. At, they're hanging out at the Roxy, doing speedballs in the bathroom. <laughs> and yeah, um, and then they keep driving around. And at one point, uh, Belushi starts uh, making phone calls. I don't know if there's a phone calls from the car or anything, but he's making probably phone on calls. a shoebox size cell phone. Yeah, but he leaves a last drunken message for Dan Aykroyd. Which mm-hmm. Aykroyd, Aykroyd can't even decipher. It's just so messed yeah. up. And then That's him, so and then he, see, yeah, it's so creepy. He goes over to Belushi's wife's house, which was like a walk over in, the, in Greenwich Village from him. Mm-hmm. And they they decide the next that, that tomorrow they're going to go out and intervene. And they they call up Smokey, the uh, yeah. bodyguard, and they go, "Okay, can you go out to to can you fly out from Virginia where he was living to L.A. tomorrow morning to uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of go help John out?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." It was a bit late for that. Yeah, so I believe, like at some point in at back at the bungalow, Robin Williams dropped by, and Robert De Niro. I think Harry Dean Stanton. Okay, yeah. And they just said, just like it, the the bungalow was just like trash. There was just like pizza boxes everywhere, and uh, just just it was like completely. It just looked like kind of like a junkie den. Yeah, and this is which, um, which it was. Yeah, but and for those of you keeping track at home, this is bungalow number three, over at the Chateau Miramont. Yeah. Miramont. So, what was there any more to just Robert Williams and De Niro stopping by? Uh, I read that so Williams stopped by while Kathy was there, and he actually got so creeped out by her that he left. Like he he thought she was really kind of creepy, um, just kind of bad energy. So he left. Um, I don't know much about the Robert De Niro. Can I do an imitation of Robin Williams popping by? Because he did a lot of coke back then himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there comes it. That's good. And then what would Robert, what what would Robert, a little bit. I don't care for that. I I can only do Robert De Niro. I could facially do him. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm raising my, I'm squinting my eyes and raising my eyebrows, if you can see. I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. And then I'm putting my hands out, kind of like, uh. Uh, it's more Al Capone, Robert De Niro. Yeah, don't care. This. Don't care for that. Um, yeah. So uh, apparently, so they kind of stayed up all night partying, and um, 
they uh, apparently Kathy says so she shot Belushi up with one more speedball um, and then he kind of passed out and then she left um, she left around in the morning sometime Ugh. and then yeah. at 12 12 noon the next day on Friday March 5th 1982 Belushi's fitness trainer and occasional bodyguard Bill Wallace arrived at the bungalow to deliver a typewriter and audio cassette recordings because Belushi requested them the previous day. What did Wallace find? Uh, well, Belushi's lifeless body, and the first thing uh, he did was call uh, Bernie Brillstein and said, we've got a problem. Yeah. Um, just to just to clarify, Harmon, I think we said that the... Um, mentioned that yeah so his last night that he was out partying was actually mm-hmm. the night of march the 4th 1982 oh march oh what did we say february yeah this is march 4th okay okay got it we got it we got it we got it so um like you said um the cause of death was a combined drug intoxication involving cocaine and heroin Known by its name, Speedball. Mm-hmm. Was was Kathy Smith? Was she arrested, or how how did it go down? No, she, she was wasn't there. She actually, oh, yeah, yeah, I just I didn't want to say no. She she left. So she she injected. Uh, now I remember, and it could all make sense. She injected Belushi, and then she left. He was snoring. She says when she left. So she left at about ten in the morning, and then uh, so you were saying, yeah, the trader comes in at, at noon, and he's dead. Um, and then she, she, she'd kind of like disappeared. And then they, uh, at some point the police arrested her for questioning and, um, they kind of, uh, she got, she kind of wiggled out of it. She didn't Mm -hmm. get arrested for that. And then at one point she gave, she gave an interview to the, um, National Choir about two months right. after Belushi's death, and she got paid for this, of course. And then she admitted that she gave, she'd been with him at the night. She, she admitted she'd been there, and she and she'd given him the fatal dose. And so when that article came out, you know, the cops had to do something, and they reopened the case. And then they yeah, her. and again, if the national, if she's doing stories for the Inquirer, she's probably just because they would pay a lot of money for the yeah. story. So she's yep. probably still an addict, mm-hmm. and just like oh. Yeah, I'll do a story. Yep. So um, she was arrested. They extradited her from Ontario and charged with first-degree murder. And uh, the plea bargain reduced the charge to involuntary manslaughter, and she served 15 months in prison. That's all. And I just looked it up, and she only passed away this year. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. So, again, uh, Belushi, he was end up uh, being buried. Out in Martha's Vineyard, which uh, he loved Martha's Vineyard. His wife arranged for a traditional Orthodox Christian funeral that was conducted by an Albanian Orthodox priest. Belushi's tombstone had a skull and crossbones with the inscription, I may be gone, but rock and roll lives on. It's true. Rock and roll does live on. You can't kill rock and roll, dude. Yeah, so do they just leave his body in uh, Martha's Vineyard? Well, no, Harmon, because sadly it turned into a Jim Morrison type situation where people were kind of going to the grave to party and leaving gifts, so the family didn't care for that too much. So they moved his grave to an un they moved his body to an unmarked grave nearby. Yeah, so you know, after Belushi's death, 
Um, not one, not two books came out. The aforementioned 1984 biography wired by none other than Trump biographer. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, what? Uh, what's his first name? Woodward? Bob. Bob Woodward. Yeah, sorry. I mean, it's so hot in here, dude. Because <laughs> it's my brain. You're almost almost started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that came out. And did that make all the friends and family of Belushi happy? Bob Woodward. Oh. The guy oh, no. who cracked the Nixon yeah. <laughs> Watergate scandal. Oh no, we're no, happy that about ma- that. That made no one happy. And then, but the uh, you know, the the main thing I remember about that book is that they tried to make it into a movie. <laughs> then, yeah, the which movie starred just, uh, the guy from The Shield, Michael yeah. Chiklis. But like Good that acting. thing, that thing was just trapped in development hell for so long, and then it was just like you know, it was it blacklisted everybody who who was in it or wanted to be in it, and it was just like. Uh, yeah, I saw an interview with Michael Chiklis just saying, you know, he was like waiting tables before he got that part. Yeah. He's just like, what are you going to do? And it's like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a waiter. Yep. <laughs> Am I going to take the movie or not take the movie? Exactly. And then it came out and it tanked and he just thought he would never, you know, work again. And he's, you know, had a pretty long career. Yeah, he's okay. Only because he's really talented. Yeah. I believe a Minneapolis guy got cast as Aykroyd. I can't remember his name. Really? Movie. Yeah. But but uh, Belushi's wife wrote a 1990 uh, biography on him called Samurai Widow. So that was okay. more kind of like the human Belushi where Bob Woodward was just kind of, you know, relaying the facts. Right. The drugs. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Yeah. So let's just talk about, well, I, I believe let's wrap up our four part episode Scott, we've never done a four-part episode. That's crazy, dude. That's a whole. I know. Are you yeah. kind of sad, Scott? That we're uh, this is all the four parts are coming not, to close. Not, not really, dude. I just don't want to do. This will cheer you up. Chris no. Farley, who modeled his life after Belushi, also died of a drug overdose okay. at age thirty-three. <laughs> yeah, by by himself so in his apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, like Chris Farley, I believe you know they say that Chris Farley. No one could match him as a live sketch performer, you know, just as far as like pure energy. And he roughly came from the same region. He's a Wisconsin guy, but, yeah. you know, close to where Belushi, you know, by a few hours grew mm-hmm. up. Yep. But, you know, Farley was sort of like a one note where Belushi was like, you know, he was actually a good actor. If you look at right, some, yeah. like the early SNL things where he got to play different, you know, kind of characters. Yeah. But, you know, to celebrate the legacy of Belushi in 2004, he got his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. You can find it at 6355 Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, nice. Okay. That'll be a, a little comedy history one on one road trip. But, Scott, what I think the biggest tribute, post tribute to Belushi came in, was it 1984 Ghostbusters came out? The Ghostbusters came out in 1984, yes, sir. So, Scott, uh, what is Belushi's connection to Ghostbusters? Well, actually, you see, Harmon, uh, Aykroyd originally had written a part in Ghostbusters for Belushi. Um, This was one of the projects he was trying to get him him interested in, other than the diaper-wearing joy of sex movies, one (laughs) of the many projects he was was working on. But Belushi passed away, of course, before they could... uh, get around to it 
Yeah, but there was a character called Slimer. Yeah, but that wasn't, I think, later on. Like, Jim, uh, later on, Dan Aykroyd kind of refers that to that as the ghost of John Belushi in the movie. I don't think that was, it was, it wasn't done beforehand. But yeah, I mean, Ivan Reitman, who he was the producer of Animal House, directed by John Landis, um, he thought that the ghost looked like Bluto from from Animal House. So yeah. Aykroyd would refer to Slimer as the ghost of John Belushi. It's just Indeed. kind of a funny tribute to him. Yeah, that's a nice one. So he kind of is in Ghostbusters. Yeah, but here's my one of my favorite uh, post-Belushi tribute is in Albania, they issued a John Belushi stamp. Dude, because I think he's pretty much the most famous Albanian. Because he is. The mo- <laughs> most famous comedians. Yeah, most famous Albanian-American comedians. And in 2015, uh, John Belushi was ranked by Rolling Stone as the greatest SNL cast member of all time. See, I said that in episode one of this. But yeah, I mean, again, it's, comedy yeah. is all subjective. Yeah. You know, it's not going to be Charles Rocket. That's no, number one. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we, all know, yeah. we all know so, what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, I would agree with. I would say, you know, we'll, we'll end this on a high note that Belushi was the greatest cast member of SNL because you know, again, it's, we're talking sketch comedy. We're talking a multitude of characters. We're just talking. We're not talking about how much he went through Jane Curtin's purse backstage. No, 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 no. <laughs> We're talking, he was so good, and because of drugs, he would not show up at rehearsals, but still, you know, hit the mark every time once the cameras rolled. Yeah, once he was on. He was on when he was ready. When, most of the time, when it came to do business, he was he was bringing the, bringing the, the heat. Yeah, so anyway, Scott, that wraps up, you know, four episodes on John Belushi. Any... We have learned a hell of a lot about John Belushi by researching this. Any final Belushi takeaways on the man? Well, Harmon, Illinois, Harmon, I'm going to quote one of the first ladies of one of the the presidents of the '80s, Nancy Reagan. Where I'm just going to say, just say no. If somebody asks you to do drugs, just say no. Yeah, but meanwhile, your husband is giving a pass to dictators who are smuggling coke and in flooding. Well, that's the whole. That, that's whole. That's whole. That's a whole other, other podcast. Yeah, yeah. And that, my friends, wraps up four episodes on the history of John Belushi. If you, and again, if you haven't heard the other episodes, go back and and check them out. I again, very. If you really think about it, he really had a short shelf life of, of comedy in the public eye, but, you know, did a great body of work that ranges from, you know, stage to radio to uh, movies to music. Um, Harmon, I have one last thing to end this on, just because sure. as our, our listeners know, I come, I'm broadcasting straight out of Berlin, Berlin here, and for some reason when I usually, well, this is why when I pull up a web page, so occasionally I get the German page instead of the English one, but I, I noticed this, I didn't know what it was, and now I was like, oh, that's interesting, so I have the, the German version of Animal House. Are, mm-hmm. are you are you ready what, for what this? What do they call it? <laughs> in the, it, it, the title of it in uh, uh, German is "Eklaub Mikschritan Pferd," which translates to uh, "I believe I'm meeting a horse." I'm meeting a horse. Yes. <laughs> okay, they did have the horse scene. 
Yeah, they had the horse yeah. scene in there. I'm not quite sure. I'll double check my translation, but you can. Uh, <laughs> that was that was kind of odd. I, that was a very odd. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, that horse is a euphemism for something. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Well, no, it's it's just a, it, it's that's the literal translation, but the um, it's like kind of a phrase, so it just means I can't believe this. Ah, okay. I can't uh, believe this house. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe this house, sure. <laughs> I think that's a perfect note to end four episodes of John Belushi. And yeah. with that, it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? Well, Harmon, just like we said, like we were talking about a couple times in the ap- episode, um, I do a YouTube channel um, about presidential trivia, all things presidential, um, all all sorts of found presidential audio goodness called This is the President, which you can find on YouTube at YouTube.com, which you can find on YouTube at YouTube.com slash This is the President. We also have a partner partner podcast that Harmon sometimes guest stars with me on there, which you can also find wherever you find your favorite podcast. That's This is the President. Here, here, here. And I will make my plugs very, very quick because... Uh... As I mentioned up front in the cold opening, I am in Costa Rica. I am in an apartment with all the windows and doors shut. I am feeling like I'm an equivalent of an oven. And by the way, Scott, this is the first episode I've taped without wearing a shirt. Whoa, that's a little TMI. And ready for the joke? Ready for the joke? Uh Uh-huh. Not wearing pants all oh. the time. Ha, ha, all right. Because yes. yeah. that's what you do in the Zoom meetings. Ha, yeah. ha, 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 ha. I know. That's you know, so funny. Yeah. Says the joke said by everyone. Mm-hmm. Making yeah, a I Zoom th- joke. I think you should, you can, you, it's time for you to go and meet some friends at the Man Cave. The Man Cave. Yeah. Place. So anyways, um, if you love Comedy History 101... Mm-hmm. Show your love so other people can find out about us. Go out and like, subscribe, and comment wherever you get your podcasts. Just just show your love, people. That's all we ask. Uh, also, check out our website. You can comment there at ComedyHistory101.com. Also, be a sponsor of Comedy History 101 via our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash CH101. Throw in a few bucks each month, and we will soon have exclusive podcast content soon soon as you people start signing up we will start producing and buying new microphones yes so with with that thanks a lot for tuning in and bye 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 good thing about doing comedy in Russia you have captured audience you're stupid everybody's so stupid Comedy History 101.